Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. This is an episode I'm calling Stepping Back. How to come back to yourself when you are fixating on the feelings of others or perceived feelings of others, I should say. Um, This is a kind of two-pronged episode. It's generally about anxiety and relationships. When we get into that clinging state, maybe that's because we have a fear of loss or we're obsessing about the other person and that just makes you unable to be yourself. And I've had a lot of requests in this area. I think a lot of them have to do with romantic relationships. But because this is kind of close to the holidays, I thought it would be good to kind of make it a wider net. Um, And I think, you know, it's a good refresher anybody that's going back home for the holidays. And that's partly because old relationships bring up old stuff. And a lot of stuff just comes up at a kind of familiar marker. So a lot of things come up at the end of the year because it's kind of got a very resonant kind of set of, you know, festivities. So anyway, for this, uh, for anyone in a romantic relationship or a familial relationship, and that has you kind of getting too into their thoughts, this is for you. And specifically, if you are one of those people who kind of gets stuck in that feeling of guilt, like you messed up, and maybe that comes about when you are honest or... You're vulnerable and then you kind of reel over whether or not you hurt their feelings or if they're mad at you or if you said it wrong or whatever it is. So um, I think this comes about a lot of the times if you are in a, if you are a codependent, as they say, or if you have a reliance on relationships for a feeling of safety and comfort. And that usually initiates a need for validation from another person or affirmation, you know, externalized affirmation verbally or physically like you need to hear specific words from them and if you don't hear those then that kind of makes you anxious or triggered and maybe this person gives you all of that but it's just never enough like it's a bottomless pit kind of feeling or maybe they actually don't give you what they need and or what you need and that really triggers you and makes you feel insecure about where you stand in their lives. Either way, this is really about coming to a place of comfort and wholeness in yourself versus getting them to do anything differently. So really welcoming an acceptance of reality so you can be free from this feeling. And I will say, regardless of what I suggest in this episode, use your own best thinking and I would say it's up to you what the right decision is. I offer this episode for anyone 
who is in a situation like this and they feel really triggered and awful about it and they don't want to be in that situation and you don't know how to help yourself. But regardless of whether it's romantic or familial, it's, it's all up to you at the end of the day. What the right decision is, is up to you. So don't act outside of your own character because you might not be ready to. So I'll just leave that um, disclaimer. And I would say regardless of whatever is causing this situation, I would say if it hurts this much, it's definitely worth working on because there is a solution. It just, you kind of have to bring your awareness to recognizing that the problem is not external. It's internal, meaning, huh, what in me is getting so activated? Can I work on solving that? And the good news is when we can step step back from this process, we can feel so much relief. And that's something that I welcome for all of you. It's just relief from this. So with that, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. The inability to be at peace when it comes to a connection with someone. So maybe that's a constant state of clinging or maybe a lack of trust or just insecurity. So as soon as you don't hear what you need to hear from them or maybe you don't hear back from them, you become obsessed with a narrative around what they're thinking, what they feel, taking apart every move they make. And I would refer to this as somewhat codependency in that you're trying to, you're investing in their feelings versus your own. And you're concerned with whether or not they like you versus being in your own body and worrying about how you feel. So if that's kind of a default setting for you, that's just something to be aware of. And I would say this could be also tied to a lack of confidence combined with kind of old muscle memory that makes us very resistant to loss or have an intense fear of loss. Regardless, the first thing I wanted to make clear in this what is the issue is not about said relationship. It's it's really about the pain and the torture that the relationship is causing in your body. And to get anywhere good requires that you decide to frame that as the problem to tackle and to see that as the issue you want to solve because you must be the first priority. So think on that. Say to yourself, I want to work on me for me because I don't like feeling this way versus I'm guessing that you might be very much in the problem area of if I could only get this person to feel X or if I could only get this person to give me more attention or love me more or I need to work on my communication more, whatever it is. Maybe you do have things to work on with this person or your partner, whoever it is. But if you can work on you and solve the problem in you first, the rest will kind of come out of that. It all starts with you. To be clear, I am not asking you to be more tolerant of the thing that is causing you anxiety. I'm really just asking you to turn inward and look at how you can empower yourself and work on yourself so that you can confront whatever problems really need to be confronted. It all starts with having that innate core strength as a person. So when when we can be okay with us and feel good about us, even in a state of limbo, like not knowing how somebody else is feeling about us, then we can be free 
to do what needs to be done, to confront everything else in our lives, and to be rational when it comes to, I don't know, knowing what's going on and what needs to change, if anything, or apologizing or whatever steps might come out of the situation you're in. Past that, the first question I wanted to ask you to ask yourself is why? Why is this relationship difficult in this area? Is it because, and I don't know the answer. I just want you to, to maybe give me the, the first thing that comes to your mind. Why, why is this hard? Is it because you are acting out based on anxiety? Or is it because there are real reasons that cause you to be anxious? Is there, are there real concrete factors in the relationship that cause you to be anxious? Is it because the um, responses of the person are completely out of alignment with what you expect to see? I'm not pushing you toward any answer. I'm just, it could be anything. I'm just, I'm just asking you to call to consciousness whatever the most instant response is. And I, I bring that up because sometimes we are the ones that are creating a lot of fear and lack of safety in our body. And sometimes that all of those things exist just in reality. There are actual concrete things that are reasons to panic and feel anxious. And so if whatever your answer was, I just want you to ask, are you making this more about you and what you did wrong? Or should this be about actual things outside of you? Is this maybe, does this not have to do anything with what you did wrong? Maybe your needs are totally rational and totally logical. Maybe, maybe the response you're having is totally rational and totally logical. So if, for example, there are real concrete things in the relationship that are things to be afraid of and anxious about, that would be outside of you. So just recognize those are the facts. This relationship does not make me feel good and stable because of X, Y, Z. And then we ask after that, how can I change that in my life? And you might know, you know, completely logically how to change that. You might know all the problems and you might have everything in your life totally under control, going awesomely, but maybe this relationship is the thing that breaks all the other rules. So if that's you, I'm talking to like very diverse types of people, obviously, in, the, in this episode. This is kind of a, if you're in a romantic relationship that kind of violates your values for yourself. If that's you, the first thing I want you to do is really be mad at that. Get really into feeling pissed off about that. See this situation as, I fucking hate this situation. See it as what it is, which is optional. And see it as the main problem to solve. And I think what happens is when we cling or we get really afraid of loss, we turn it in on ourselves and we say, but I can't live without this person no matter what it does to me. Or we say, I just need to work harder to solve the problem. And they, I need to talk them into solving the problem even harder. Or basically all we do is we look into the relationship itself as a way to solve it. When we completely feel stuck in that solving process is when we want them to change reality. You know, we want them to change who they are or we want 
to stop fixating on these things that worry us, but they actually literally just worry us. And that is probably because of actual real factors, like the person has loose boundaries or the person has betrayed you and your trust in the past or that person actually wants distance, etc. All of those things are so just factually devastating and excruciating and hurtful and they can make you feel desperate and low. And so our brain is like, well, leaving is impossible, so I've got to figure out another solve. And so we stay in that loop of purgatory. But I want you to look at the purgatory, stare at the purgatory and say, wow, this makes me feel fucking terrible. This makes me feel sick. This makes me feel so stuck. That is the problem to tackle. Just put a frame around that because from there, all sorts of opportunities and tools and proactive steps open up. Okay, I went on a way long rabbit hole about romantic relationships that cause you to feel anxious and um, clingy. But the same feelings of anxiety and clinginess could come about with a familial relationship. And let's say when you answered that question, is it outside of you or is it inside of you? If it's outside of you, then it's really about just writing that down. Saying this person does things that... Uh, don't make sense in a healthy emotional person or healthy emotionally functioning person. And this person cannot be trusted to maintain a sense of predictability and normalcy that I can respond to in a healthy, normal way. That's it. Just call reality what it is. This is the situation. This is who this person is. That's the end of part one, the what. Part two, the why. Well... I mean, if we grew up around this person, if we have any experience like this in our upbringing, we start to have to control it somehow because it is so anxiety provoking. It's so stressful to be with a person that is either inconsistent or not seeing us, not uh, concerned with our feelings and our happiness and our pain. So in the face of that, we have to learn how to control our pain and create a feeling of safety for ourselves and to do that we just make that in our own control in our own in our brain we give ourselves power and so I would say just net net the pattern for all of this behavior is very old it has to do with our roles from childhood we get into that state of really trying hard to get love we do whatever we can to earn it any strategy whatsoever to earn it and earn being the operative word so in other words, we're playing that false game of I'm get I am going to get love from this person and we think we can win it if we just try all the strategy strategies possible. If we just make our needs small enough, if we just contort our bodies enough, if we just make ourselves invisible enough, whatever it is. And as kids, you know, we don't realize our parents are dealing with their own life crises. And for the most part, they're just barely functioning, moving through their life crap. And when you grow up and you reach their age, you go, oh yeah, no wonder this shit is so hard. But as a kid, you're like, why are my parents not seeing me? Why are they ignoring me? Why are they acting like kids themselves? Why are they asking me to take care of them? And instead of being able to accept that they're incompetent, which would mean death, basically, it would mean utter terror, 
we would we instead take on this story of empowerment that centers around us aka it's me they're crying because i've ignored them and i haven't been nice enough i haven't been as good of a kid as i should be whatever it is so in that state of empowerment the world makes the most sense and it is just way more tolerable although we grow up with tons of maladaptive behaviors that keep us kind of chasing that love in the same exact ways as children it's so much healthier for us to just tolerate the stress of the situation so i just want to pause and ask you what is the stage that has been reset in whatever's currently happening in other words what does that feeling remind you of <clears throat> excuse me is this a scenario or many scenarios that were frequent like in your life long 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 ago like when you were trying to get love and couldn't I just invite you to take whatever is coming to mind and list it out maybe take that list to your therapist's office or just write them down now and just become cognizant of like these are the, the size of the emotional responses I have to other people triggering me in this similar way. So now back to current relationships. We will, whenever something that feels similar comes up, we will reset this stage as adults. But as an adult, it's more like a felt hallucination, like a body hallucination. So the same behaviors trigger the feelings. But when it comes to love, when it comes to any kind of close relationship, when we are in that state of clinging, that, that feeling of clinging and obsessing and worrying about somebody else's feelings, you are not in reality. You're not seeing reality. You are in that body hallucination from long ago. So let's call it like love psychosis or lovesick psychosis. It's like a bad drug. And it's like being in a room looking for crumbs of cocaine sorry if that triggers you but like you're if you were a drug addict ever it's like that thing where you're looking for tiny crumbs it's similar in how desperate and degrading it is that physical sense of like oh, could I get anything from them is there anything I can get from them? can they maybe if I text them will they respond that energy is like the hallucination and you're looking at them for an answer you're looking to them to give you relief like, did I do good? Can they tell me I'm enough? Can they tell me I'm a good person? It's like, we don't know that answer. So we're looking to them to give it. So when we're asking, what are they thinking? How are they feeling about me? If you're in that state, you have got to change your relationship in that moment. So just in that moment, you have to ask, no, I don't, I don't need to know how to get them to like me more. How do I get them to respond to me you need to ask how do i get out of this addiction how do i get out of this state i don't like this state this makes me feel crazy and desperate how do i get out of this this that's the problem so that's the frame i want you to stick around that and i frame it in a way that's similar to a drug addiction because it feels very similar it makes us behave in similar ways like when we're on the drug we feel safe satiated relieved maybe even a little high but when we're away from it when we haven't gotten enough of it we're coming down from it that 
terror feeling floods in the loneliness the desperation the neediness that feeling is that response that we get to like oh no oh no I don't have enough I don't have enough I'm I'm alone I'm by myself I don't have enough and no matter what whoever the person is it, it is not worth it to feel that way it's not worth it to be reliant on somebody outside of yourself to be happy and oddly in order to break out of this habit, we have to teach ourselves to tolerate being in that pain and being conscious about helping ourselves proactively pass it. And that, and I'm, by that I mean like that intense pain of loss, that pain of loneliness, the pain of like alone time that we spend with our single selves. If that is too painful for you to endure then that is the issue you will need support tackling with someone like a therapist. Because I know for some people, it that, that excruciatingness is like, you know, 11, 12 on a pain scale. It's like sitting in fire. And for the you people in particular, I think like, I do think medication would be helpful. And also therapists, psychiatrists, both. Um, I will tell you this much, the pain of the suffering, in my opinion, um, is less than the chronic pain of being like addicted to a terrible relationship because it is so just the loop and the like length of the, the lows in that loop are just the, there's nothing worse. It's like feeling like nothing and having to do it all over again. It's like being trapped in like a a hellish cycle so either way um if this is happening to you with a person in your life the first thing I want you to do is just notice it notice it see it as a pattern see it when it's happening and notice the energy in your body and say like I don't like this that is the thing I don't like feeling like this I don't want to feel like this anymore that is like the map to what needs to change Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. And I know I didn't really touch on the family piece of the previous section, but like I do think when it comes to a family member, it's like we really have to step back from that dance. When we have such a predictable rhythm with somebody that they have the ability to trigger all of our like dark feelings of like, I'm nothing, I'm terrible, I'm a bad person. We have to really notice that and disengage from all of the steps that come before that feeling because they're very, it's like they're so nuanced that we probably couldn't even identify what they are, but they are things that we can, we can spot the zones when they come about and make sure we're steering clear of those zones or topic areas or situations. It's like we really do have to avoid all of these settings when those things are triggered so that we can just start to build some muscle memory where we are outside of them, if that makes sense. I mean, I also feel like if you're going to do work on something like this in a particular relationship, it's really helpful to just separate from that person for long enough that you can get enough, I don't know, like protective layers on yourself in order to return once again to the relationship later so if you need a break from the the relationship I mean that I don't think you're a bad person 
I think it's completely kind and loving to take that break if it's in service of making you feel better when you're around the person in the future. Anyway, part three, the how, the tools. And now you may want to adjust your volume for a brief word from our sponsors. Okay, the first tool is called body scan. I really want you to just take note of the cues in your body that signal that you are in that old emotional memory, like the body hallucination, as I called it. So just bring it to mind. Where does it happen? Is it your chest? Is it the pit of your belly? Is it like your your shoulders, your upper body? Where is is it tightness? Just remember how it feels. It's that old ancient fear that feels kind of young, desperate, clingy, like, oh no, oh no, I messed up big, didn't I? Whatever it, whatever terms it calls to mind. I just want you to familiarize yourself with the feeling so you can recognize when it pops up. Because as soon as that pops up, the first thing we have to do is not look to them. It's to look to ourselves to ask, how can I help myself right now? How can I help pass this feeling and let it dissipate? How can I double down on me and what I need to do to take care of me outside of everything? I just need to come back to sobriety and reality. I need to step out of this cloud feeling, this triggered state. So that's the first tool. Second tool, if you are in a romantic relationship that causes you to feel constantly triggered like this, I just wanted to invite you to set that goal, to reframe the the problem. And by that, I mean like step one, get really mad at just that state of being. Get mad at the situation. I don't like feeling like this. I don't like being triggered like this. I don't like being this loop of feeling desperate. Step two, I invite you to say to yourself, I really want to change this state of being in my life. I really want to alter that I get stuck in this situation. And step three, whenever you are ready, I really want to invite you to make that your goal officially. Just say to yourself officially in some shape or form, write it on in your journal, put it on your wall. I want to change this in my life. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to be suffering like this anymore. And then from there comes a lot of new openings. There are a lot of new tools, a lot of new steps, a lot of new changes that can come about, but you gotta start by working on the right problem and saying like, I don't like that anymore. I don't wanna do this anymore. I want something different. Cause you can't make the goal to make someone else change. That is like saying, I wanna remain in a state of hope and fiction. You can, however, say, I wanna take control of my life. I don't like this loop anymore. And from here, you get you can get everything you want. You can solve all of it. But, you know, it's just a matter of framing the right mission that you're going to be marching towards. All right, that's the next tool. The next tool is called grounding in the fire. So this is for if you are in that intense fear, clinging state of like feeling like you fucked up somehow or feeling that guilt of like, oh man, they're so mad at me and I should apologize and I'm a bad person or... I should really make everything reset to the beginning or how can I undo my need even more, whatever it is. In that moment, what we really have to do is learn how to breathe through it and really consciously like a friend, like in third person, support ourselves 
through that feeling. Almost like if you've ever had a kid being in labor. It's like breathing, deliberately saying like, okay, here's coming a contraction. I just have to keep breathing. <sighs> okay, it's gone. So deliberately like holding our own hand and letting it pass and knowing this is the worst it will be. This is the pain. I'm moving through it. I'm sitting in it. I'm breathing through it. Deliberately, I'm waiting for it to go away, but I am, I'm surviving. And notice like, yes, you are alive. You are moving through the pain and just continue to remind yourself of that. Like, yep, I'm still here because really what we need to do in order to basically navigate in a healthy way in the face of a relationship that causes us to feel like this is we have to teach ourselves to be brave enough to be in that state and just move through it. We have to give ourselves all the managing tools that we possibly can and we have to stay focused on the goal of moving through and tolerating that pain until it subsides because it absolutely will eventually subside. Sometimes we need extra support to kind of like orient ourselves into healthier habits outside of this. That's what therapy's for. But at the end of the day, that's the worst it's going to be. It's just that physical trigger is the worst it will be. And we have to teach ourselves as adults to actually continue to move through it and tolerate it. So then we can come out the other side and say like, oh, I did it. I know how to do it. I can take care of myself because I'm an adult. We learned as young kids that we could not handle that pain. And that's part of the reason we avoid it today is because we're like, but I can't, but I can't, I can't. But as an adult, yes, you can. You have the tools and you have the ability. You are smart enough. You are capable enough. And if you do think, no, I actually don't think I am capable as an adult. I get that. If you are not stable enough, if that's completely true for you, I strongly suggest you just navigate this situation with your therapist and specifically if you are not with the therapist start seeing one a psychologist or an mft and also a psychiatrist for possible meds trust your own self-knowledge don't force yourself to do anything that doesn't feel right for you for um the people who are in romantic relationships like this and they cannot get themselves to um see that leaving or considering working on yourself is the actual problem to work on this is a tool for you it's called practice hates <laughs> before we can tolerate distance voluntarily we really have to choose to have this as a goal in the first place so if you can't even do that I wanted to invite you to first begin practice hating what is and like by that I mean literally leaning to leaning into I hate this I hate feeling like this fucking hate being in this loop I just really lean into getting sick of it and like practicing like I fucking hate this shit I hate feeling this degraded I'm so sick of this and that is just to get us to like really activate our defense mechanisms in our body toward the right goal I know it feels counterintuitive in many ways um, and the next tool is called the spins so as soon as you start to get into that zone of I am pouring myself into someone else and I am starting to really like try and read their mind and starting to see like, are they mad at me? Trying to read their body language, whatever it is that just notice that obsessive loop in your brain. Notice that feeling of like trying to predict the future, trying to like decode that obsessive kind of dizzy feeling. Just remember it. 
And in that moment, the goal is to step back, come back into yourself and ask, how can I fill my own cup? How, I, how can I reinvest all of my energy back into myself as a separate person and being the most awesome me possible? That's really what our goal is in that moment. And that will help us feel grounded and like also more rational. It helps us to step out of like the hallucination and come back into like, huh, no, I'm not crazy and things are not that dire. I was like creating a whole script in my head. All right, the next tool, teapot empties. As soon as you start to do that thing I was just describing where you're filling the cup that is someone else when you're starting to um, try and make nice with them, you're starting to try and placate them, you're starting to over-apologize or predict something that will help ingratiate them to you in the future, you're starting to like pour, think of yourself as a teapot. You're pouring all of yourself out of you and you are losing self so just imagine yourself as like an empty teapot and as if if you're starting to do that you're emptying yourself like stop step back and remind yourself like nope I need to have weight in me I need to have grounding and balance in me I need to fill my cup that is the most important task if I'm getting into that anxious state is to fill my cup it's come back to wholeness, fullness, completeness, got it going on-ness, you know? So if that means like I'm hanging out with a friend I haven't seen in a long time, I'm watching a movie that makes me happy, I am journaling, I'm doing things that really make me feel like grounded and positive, whatever it is, that's what you got to do. All right, the next tool, truth decoder. I've given this one a lot, but I think... It's really a good reminder for the holidays in particular. If you are a person who grew up reading the body language of another person or elaborately narrating what was going on in their head, we really have to curb that tendency to start to do it again and deliberately cut off from all of that information. Because if we really want to know what the truth is at any given time, meaning what we know factually at any given time, all we have to do is just recount the motions, the literal physical actions of what has occurred. So if you're spinning, you're trying to like figure out what this person thought and if this person was saying X, Y, Z, just start by writing down in a linear form all of the actual facts. In, in, not in like what you think, all of just the physical actual facts that occurred. And you can dictate that list of occurrences and then just as you read it to yourself, say, this shows me X, Y, Z. And that is all I know. So that list might say, um, two people had dinner. One person ordered X, one person ordered Y. And one person said, um, I have to go to the bathroom. Then the other person said, oh, I have an important phone call. And they took the phone call. And then the other person said, okay. And then the, both people said, good night. And then three days passed and there was no communication. So that's it. What is What do those facts tell you? They tell you that one person uh, had a phone call during a dinner. And they tell you that these people do not communicate frequently. And that tells me that the dinner was neutral. And that is all. That's all you know. And that is because we are only basing this off of external behavior. That is the only truth. And that is all that matters. 
the the physical truth that is the only relevant information that's the only information you have to base any actions off of and at the end of the day that's all you really need it's like all right these people don't have frequent communication do i like that or do i not like that hmm i don't think i like it the end that's it it's not like ooh, should i have said blank should i have said should i have should i have tried blank no not necessarily it just is what it is those are the facts of this relationship it is what it is do i decide to change things in the future perhaps do I have to think I did anything wrong? Do I have to think this person thinks blank? Nope. That's all you really know is exactly what just happened. That's it. That's the only information you have. What physically transpired? I hope that made sense. It's just really to get you to step back from that um, script writing because all of that is f- f- fiction. We think we are predicting reality. We think we are reading minds, but we are not. And we have to remind ourselves of that conscious, uh, constantly because it is kind of a... Um, muscle memory to to go there it's kind of like our habit is to like I think what they meant when they did this was this but it's like that's actually not true we don't we can only know what our brains think not what other brains think only our own all right the next tool check your controlling when we control others it actually often creates a feeling of resent in the other person because it's overstepping and by that I mean like let's say you are, I don't know, paying for somebody else's meal when they don't ask you to, or you are doing their laundry for them when you have not, when it's not shared laundry, or even if it is shared laundry, let's say you're doing every load of laundry for both of you. That is in many ways ingratiating yourself to that other person and expecting something subconsciously in return like praise or attachment. And that is a form of being controlling. And so when we do things like that, lots of things like that, it is a version of overstepping boundaries. It is inserting yourself based on an assumption that you have that you are justified in doing so. And I'm only bringing this up because often it's that fear-based response that is totally unconscious to us that causes us to do that. It's trying to create attachment by overstepping. But all it really does is reveal our insecurity because it's showing a need to instigate a connection beyond what is normal and trusting. And I I refer this often to this often as like pedestaling because it's like you're either putting yourself on a pedestal or you're putting somebody else on a pedestal. And by doing so, by unevening the layers or the levels, I should say, we are um, controlling anxiety or a feeling of insecurity. And because we're doing that, we're distancing from somebody else. We're saying like, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to be so needed. That's like a version of putting, kind of like putting them on a pedestal. Or if we are um, putting someone lower than us, like if you're treating, if you're being dismissive of somebody else, you're saying like, well, I don't really think they're that talented, whatever it is. That is another version of controlling Um, a relationship in that we are like if someone's dismissive to you that's like a reflection of their insecurity it's like saying like I don't even have to be on the same level I don't have to acknowledge you as a normal person because I am so far above you it's just showing it's demonstrating the feeling inside so 
when we come to others and we overstep, let's say, you know, you're paying for things they haven't asked you to pay for, you're taking care of their life in ways they don't need us to take care of them. We are ensuring that they don't have to um, be adult in themselves. We're, we're assuring that they will not be separate individuals, that they we're kind of creating a reliance. We're telling this person, I need you to rely on me. And also that's because I feel like I'm not good enough to just be in a voluntary relationship with me. And you're not saying that aloud, but you are putting this in out in an energetic way. And so it's kind of like you're creating this unhealthy tension, this unhealthy bond. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, it doesn't have to be this unhealthy reliance. And so it's almost like in the case of like overstepping by overgiving, we're putting ourselves at their feet and then we're asking them to pet our heads, <laughs> being like, you got to say thank you. Either way, whichever end you are on, it makes po- both people feel less than connected and less than equal and less than respecting about the relationship because a healthy relationship must be an equal exchange of gifts given. So all of that to just say, I want you to step back and ask yourself, am I giving this person the dignity of showing up for me equally? Am I giving this person the dignity of having a equal connection to me? And if not, just observe it and say, I need to step back. I need to um, step back from that that need because that's coming from me. It's not in reality. I don't really need to do any of that stuff to be loved. I have to stop that instinct in myself and just allow myself to arrive at them in a whole and worthy way. Okay, hope that made sense. Next tool is called the elevator. This is very connected to the last one. So just as a visual for you to hold on to, we want to always be relating to others on the ground floor. So imagine there's an elevator that goes one level up and goes one level down. And when we are one level down from another person, we are in that groveling, giving without reason kind of place. And to grovel is to be like, I, um, I don't deserve love. It's, it's kind of like coming from that place of lack, which demands that others feel sorry for us, feel like they owe us, feel like they are um, getting a, you know some sort of servant out of who we are, out of the relationship. But to look down on others is also like it's we're creating that distance. That's the, the anxiety and controllingness is creating the distance. And if, as I said before, if we go up one level, we're above the ground floor. From here, we're saying, I am not responsible for how I make you feel. It's like we're saying, I don't owe you the dignity of equal treatment. This too is creating distance. So the goal, if you want to have a really healthy and intimate relationship with anybody in your life, a family member or a friend or a partner, try and stay on the ground floor and just arrive as your whole perfect self. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to change anything. You don't need to judge them, to be di- tell them to be different. You just need to arrive and present yourself as an equal and give gifts equally. Okay, next tool is called, but maybe I don't. So this is a reflection for non-reactivity because as I often say, if someone is being a dick to you, 
it's not about you. When we are wounded in old ways, we want, you know, people to see like how bad they hurt us, how terrible it is, how cruel it is. And that is like the most addictive story. And what we can try out as healthy, self-loving adults is just in, instead of reacting, pause, just pause for a moment and give ourselves that ability to step back from the response, from the wound and ask ourselves instead what it feels like to be complete in ourselves, to need nothing from anyone else, to, f- to need no response from anyone else. When we're in that state, it feels like wholeness. And when we're in that state of wholeness, nothing lands. Nobody can penetrate it. We don't need anything from others, including a specific response. We can only feel love and compassion. So it doesn't mean we don't want to hear certain things. It doesn't mean that we don't hope that people will be a certain way. It just means that like we can accept that they are in their own shit or they're in their own pain or in their own delusion, whatever it is. And, and when we're in that non-reactive state, we can ask, what is possibly going on in that person's life? Huh, maybe they are completely troubled. Maybe they have a lot of shit going on. Could that be true? Maybe, maybe not. And um, I, I also think it's important to say, maybe, that, maybe it's not that big of a deal at all. Maybe at the end of, the, of my day, I can actually look back and say this was a great day. So anytime you get triggered in a particular way by somebody, I just want you to go through those steps. Pause, ask, maybe, maybe that person is going through some shit. Are they in a weird state right now? Possibly. And then say aloud, maybe at the end of my day, this will be a great day. Maybe this won't take over my mood at all. And um, before I close... I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Gabrielle, such a generous donation from you. Thank you so much. And also Sonia, a new Patreon sponsor. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Anyone out there who has the means, donations really help out this show. If you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could share it with someone, it could help. That would be amazing as well. So in closing, I wanted to end this episode with a lovely meditation idea that you can customize to yourself. Um, It's a way to come back to the present moment. I got this one from Marty Beck, uh, A Way to Ground. So basically, this, this brief meditation is to come back into the five senses and choose one by one a thing that you love that is experienced through that sense. For example, sight. I love to see the sky reflected in a body of water. Smell. I love the smell of wet forest after rain. Touch. I love the feeling of a down comforter and my kids in my arms. Taste. I love the taste of my mom's carrot soup. Sound. I love the sound of rain on a roof. So whatever yours are, now I want you to imagine all of them at the same time. So in one situation, imagine you're experience all, experiencing all of those in one place. So all of that together, just be in that feeling. Smell and hear and taste and feel all of these things. And go here and kind of reinvent the moment in your body. And just find those joy visualizations. I would vary it each time maybe. And 
in that sensory visualization, you can find nowness. And I think we need a lot more of that in our lives in the face of constant distraction and robbing of our presence, but especially in a state of being triggered. So just remember, come back into you and come back into that wholeness and let go of whatever is outside of you because it's outside of your control. So be in the now and I send you my love and happy holidays and don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.